This is SCOTUS Blog Media, and today is Tuesday, June 25th. The court issued three opinions today, and it's the second to last day of the term. Among those three was Shelby County v. Holder, the challenge to the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Amy Howe of SCOTUS Blog has the highlights. In 1965, Congress passed the Voting Rights Act to combat discrimination at the polls. An important part of that effort to prevent discrimination was Section 5 of the Act, which requires state and local governments with a history of discrimination in voting to get pre-approval or pre-clearance from the federal government whenever they want to make any changes to their voting procedures. Section 4 of the Act, known as the Coverage Formula, contains the criteria that determine who has to comply with the pre-clearance requirement. Although the requirement was intended to be only temporary, Congress extended it several times, most recently in 2006 for 25 years. Over the years, many jurisdictions covered by the Voting Rights Act's preclearance requirement have increasingly resented the requirement, regarding it as an infringement on their sovereignty. In 2009, the Supreme Court reviewed a challenge to the constitutionality of the preclearance requirements, but in the end, it decided the case on another ground without weighing in on whether the preclearance requirements passed constitutional muster. In doing so, however, the justices warned Congress that the preclearance requirement could be in jeopardy. Because the Act imposes current burdens, the Court cautioned, it must be justified by current needs. But Congress did not act. So when the Supreme Court announced late last year that it would once again review a challenge to the preclearance requirements, civil rights groups feared that the act's days were numbered. Their fears turned out to be valid. Today, in an opinion by the Chief Justice, a sharply divided court left Section 5's preclearance requirement intact, but it struck down Section 4's coverage formula on the ground that it did not reflect current reality. So unless and until Congress can pass a new coverage formula to identify which jurisdictions will have to comply with the preclearance requirements, no one will. And given the gridlock in Congress, that could take a while. Justice Ginsburg dissented from the decision, and in an opinion joined by Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, and Justice Kagan. Those justices argued that Congress, rather than the Supreme Court, should have the greatest say in whether the preclearance requirements are still needed in the covered covered jurisdictions identified in Section 4, and it determined that they are. In another announcement, the court ruled on a case involving an adoption and the Indian Child Welfare Act. Mike Gottlieb has details. I'm covering the adoptive couple versus baby girl uh, case. This is a case from South Carolina about uh, provisions in the Indian Child Welfare Act. It is a case about a biological father who uh, was estranged from the biological mother. The mother decided to give the child up for adoption. And when the father learned about that plan adoption, he decided to object in court. The question in the case was whether the Indian Child Welfare Act barred the adoption. Um, And the court today split 5-4 on whether the Indian Child Welfare Act was designed Uh, to protect the parental rights of a parent who essentially uh, never had legal or physical custody uh, over a child. Um, As I said before, the court divided 5-4, Justice Alito writing for the majority, uh, Justice uh, Sotomayor writing in dissent, and we are analyzing the opinions now. And in a final case for today, where the court took on local governments and land development permits, We'll hear from Tejinder Singh. 
In Kuntz versus St. John's River Water Management District, the Supreme Court held in a 5-4 to four decision by Justice Alito that when a government says that it will deny you a land use permit unless you spend some money to deal with another problem the government wants to solve, you can challenge that as an unconstitutional taking. And specifically, you can argue that it lacks the requisite nexus and rough proportionality to the environmental impacts of the effects your proposal would have. This is being touted as a significant victory for landowners, a significant loss for local governments, which do most of the land use regulation. Uh, it's clear that the decision will lead to more lawsuits challenging land use regulations. It's not immediately clear, however, whether any of those lawsuits will be successful. The court, in fact, sent some strong signals, both in the majority and the dissenting opinion, that the lawsuit in this case is unlikely to ultimately succeed. That said, it can still be brought, and that's still going to raise the cost of doing business and perhaps deter regulation for some governments. Check back tomorrow at scotusblog.com for this term's final decisions. For Scotus Blog, I'm Dan Stein. Thanks for listening.